beginning the second shortest book of the Bible, 3 John. The second John is just a verse shorter. And so we'll cover 3 John probably in two Sundays. In order to best understand 3 John, we need to understand the history of itinerant or traveling missionaries. On the screen you see on on the left, a depiction of hospitality being offered to a first century itinerant missionary. On the right, you see pictured one of the many circuit riders or itinerant preachers who were popular in the United States in the 1700s and 1800s, especially among the Wesleyan and uh, Methodist traditions. Now, today's missionaries are uh, very often, probably most often, backed by a mission board. And my sister Beth and her husband Frank served under two mission boards, the Evangelical Alliance Mission when they were uh, serving in Venezuela, and then they uh, also served with Rural Home Missionary Association in various locations stateside. Uh, mission boards offer assistance to missionaries in various ways. They provide prayer and spiritual support. They provide training, sometimes language training included for mission work. They assist with financial management. Uh, they provide accountability, and they assist relationally as well. Sometimes mission work can be lonely. They provide a home base to keep in communication with uh, the missionaries, and they provide missionary-to-missionary -missionary support as needed, and sometimes organize conferences uh, for missionaries to attend as well. Uh, through most of the history of the church, there were no mission boards. The earliest mission boards date back to about 1800. Prior to that, missionaries were typically sent out by their local church, or they went out on their own initiative. An example of the early church sending out missionaries is seen as in Acts 13, 1 through 3. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Now, since 1800 and the advent of mission boards, the means by which missionaries are sent out has changed a lot. Uh, there are still some missionaries who go out on their own initiative or are sent by one local church. Now, I'm sure that you understand that choosing to be a missionary is to choose a difficult life. You know that for Scott and Oksana Sobe and choosing missions did not choose the easy path for their lives. They and most other missionaries have sacrificed a great deal of safety and comfort uh, for the sake of the gospel, and many times they also finan uh, sacrifice financial security as well. And that was certainly true of the circuit riders, and it was true of the first century 
itinerant missionaries as well in 1800 the salary of a circuit rider averaged $80 translated into today's money that is the equivalent of $1,958 you can readily see that uh, for the circuit riders they had to depend on the generosity of the people that they ministered to and the same was true for the itinerant missionaries in John's day uh, regarding these itinerant missionaries or ministers John said this and now I'm reading in our um, text uh, starting at verse 5 beloved you do faithfully what you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church if you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God you will do well because they went forth for his name's sake taking nothing from the Gentiles we therefore ought to receive such persons that we may become fellow workers for the truth and so it is right and righteous to support those persons who go forth for his name for the sake of Jesus in doing so we become fellow workers for the truth more on that later now let's set the background of the uh, short epistle of third John we can do that by um, by understanding the four persons noted in in the book the first one not by name but just the elder this is the apostle John he never referred to himself by his own name and um, I guess he did in Revelation but he typically did not he just referred to himself as an elder he himself an el older man perhaps 90 or so when he wrote this epistle and living we think in the uh, city of Ephesus and ministering in the Ephesian church so he was an elder in the sense that he was an old man but I think he was probably also an elder in a more official role in the church he was an apostle back in Jerusalem and it appears he had some role now in the uh, regional churches around Ephesus and in the outlying areas note verse 9 where he said I wrote to the church but Diotrephes who loves to have the preeminence among them does not receive us so what church did John write to well he wrote to the church where uh, Diotrephes attended but John complained that his letter nor John nor his fellow ministers were received by Diotrephes John expected that he should be received by them because he had some role uh, as an authority whether formal or informal uh, and John also dropped a little bit of a threat in verse 10 he said, therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does. If he shows up, he's not going to cower away for calling out Diotrephes on his behavior. All right, the second uh, person mentioned is Gaius, or Gaius. I'll say Gaius, the recipient of the letter. He, this was a common name, other men by the name of Gaius are identified in the Bible but likely this one is different from any of the others named elsewhere he was a faithful minister 
very possibly in the same church as Diotrephes or at least in a nearby sister church. John commended Gaius for his support of the traveling missionaries and advocated for the church to support such men with hospitality and, and seemingly some financial support. Uh, then uh, he wrote to Gaius about Diotrephes. Uh, he was an early narcissist and control freak. And he wrote concerning the unacceptable behavior toward the traveling ministers. Uh, we read about his unacceptable behavior in verse 10. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words and not content with that. He himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. So Diotrephes didn't want to share the limelight with any traveling ministers. He wouldn't let anyone else in the church support them either. The fourth man mentioned is Demetrius. He was a good man in contrast to Diotrephes. Uh, and he had a good testimony. Everybody that talked about Demetrius had a good testimony about him. Now, John was seemingly familiar with the traveling missionaries. Uh, they had come through the area, perhaps visited the church of Diotrephes and in their travels then came to John's church. And they had told the tale of how they had been treated by Diotrephes and how they had been treated very differently by Demetrius. So that's the background of the book. John took exception to Diotrephes who stonewalled the missionaries and he wrote to Gaius to warn him about Diotrephes and to commend uh, Demetrius who was a very different man. All right, so then... Let's look at the greeting. Again, we see the emphasis on love and truth, which is so typical for John. He begins his letter, My beloved Gaius. And uh, he explains some of the reasons why he had this love for Gaius. In the remainder of the greeting at the end of verse 2, John stated that Gaius's soul prospered. Uh, the word prospers there means to have a successful journey. Reminds me of the old song, Happy Trails, uh, that Roy Rogers sang. In this case, the journey, though, was a, it was a soul journey. Uh, we don't know much about Gaius. He might have been penniless. He might have been in poor health. But in his Christian life, he was growing and succeeding. He was close to God. The prosperity of soul is emphasized again in verse 3 where we read that Gaius walked in the truth. And this brought great joy to John. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And if that sounds familiar, uh, you may recall that John made a similar statement in 2 John verse 4. I rejoiced greatly that I have found some of your children walking in the truth. Now, while covering Second John, last week we saw that neither love nor truth can stand alone in Christi, in biblical Christianity, anyway. Warren Wearsby stated that truth without love is brutality. 
Love without truth is hypocrisy. Truth without love is brutality. Love without truth is hypocrisy. Gaius was a man filled with both truth and love. John had great joy that Gaius prospered in soul, but he also wished well for Gaius in other aspects of his life as well. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. So he wished Gaius well. It's an endearing greeting, isn't it? Uh, John wanted Gaius to be in good health, and there may have been uh, perhaps a report of some physical problems with uh, which Gaius had that prompted this blessing, similar to the way that we would check in on each other when uh, someone has been ill. As John's well wishes for Gaius extended beyond his health to all things. He, he wanted, his wish for Gaius was that he would be well financially and well emotionally and well socially and well mentally. He just desired Gaius to, to, to be filled with well-being in soul first, but in health, financial, finances, emotions, relationships, and in all ways. It reminds me of a uh, the blessing God commanded Aaron to pronounce on the people in the Old Testament. This is taken from Numbers 6. God said, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So that's the, that's the attitude that Christian brothers and sisters are to have for each other. A very beautiful picture of the love of God's people are to have for each other and the desire for well-being that we are to have for each other. And then there, the importance of reputation comes to mind here. I greatly rejoiced when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you just as you walk in the truth. The honorable report of Gaius worked its way back to John's church. And that, of course, without um, the kinds of means of communication that we have today. There was no phones. There was no uh, Twitter and, and Facebook. There, uh, there was no mail uh, in, the, in the sense of uh, sending letters uh, through the post office. There was, there was just no, there was very little way for news to get around, but it did. How much more is our reputation being spread around today? And each one, each one here is developing a reputation. I'm developing a reputation. You're developing a reputation. Do you like the reputation you're developing? More importantly, what does God think of the reputation you're developing? Someone might think, well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm too young to worry about that. Well, not according to Proverbs. Even a child is known by his deeds, whether what he does is pure and right, Proverbs 20, 11. 
So your reputation is important not only because unbelievers are watching you, and you never know who's watching you, who's watching your life, but also because believers are watching you. John was greatly encouraged by the faithfulness of Gaius. Now, the means of building a godly reputation is given in verse 5. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers. Faithfulness is the key. It doesn't require anything spectacular, just, just faithfulness. In our setting, it might uh, faithfulness might be in attendance, faithfulness in just friendly demeanor, faithfulness in charity faithfulness and in encouraging others whatever role you do whatever role you can play in the church do it faithfully listen to the words of Jesus from the parable of the talents Matthew 25 23 his Lord said to him well done good and faithful servant you have been faithful over a few things I will make you ruler over many things uh, because Gaius was faithful I think John really enjoyed writing this letter to him. It probably felt good to be able to commend him and thank him. Imagine the difference if he had to write to Diotrephes, which he had. But John would have agonized over writing that letter to Diotrephes most people in ministry eventually have to compose a letter to the diatrophies of the world, and it's no, no fun at all. All right, let's move on to the matter of becoming fellow workers then. All right, the context of this e e epistle really is the treatment of those traveling missionaries, traveling ministers that, uh, that came through the area. That's what the strangers, really, that he's talking about here, um, what he really means is these gospel workers, the people that are traveling through. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them, who's them? It's traveling ministers. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. So we'll call the, the strangers gospel workers. We could use the term missionary, but um, missionary may carry the connotation of someone who's traveled to a far country. Uh, some gospel workers dedicate their lives to areas closer to home. You know, we know that John wrote about um, itinerant ministers by what he stated, which... Uh, was just read in verses 5 through 7. These gospel workers went forth from their homes for the sake of the name of Jesus. They took the name of Jesus with them, ministering to churches, but also to the unsaved. Uh, because, see, they took nothing from the Gentiles uh, to whom they ministered. Now, the best equivalents that we would have to the strangers here today, the gospel workers we have today, would be, for example, the Sobies when they were still in Ukraine, the samples ministering 
far away from home in Nebraska and locally, those who minister at Oasis of Hope, those who minister to persons with addictions at New Destiny, and those who minister to disabled persons at Camp Echoing Hills. All of these ministries seek to bring the gospel to the persons they have contact with. The unsaved that they work with and the saved that they work with. Reminding them of the gospel and building them up in the gospel. And this is a witness of our love. Verse 6. Who have borne witness of your love before the church? Well, who did? The traveling ministers, those itinerant missionaries. They came to John's church and they bore witness of the love that Gaius shared with them. And he says, if you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. And John is confident that Gaius is, in fact, doing that. All right, so um, is our church a loving church? And how would we know? Now, here's one objective criteria, right? It's a witness of your love before the church. How we treat and how we support gospel workers in their ministry is an evidence of love or lack of it. All right, so uh, the love of Gaius and possibly his local church had been well spoken of to John, uh, but who witnessed the love? Well, first of all, the church who have borne witness of your love before the church. So the itinerant missionaries sometimes came from Gaius's church, then ministered in John's home church. And when they did so, they these ministers brought the word, you know, wow, well, you know, it was a blessing to be in Gaius's church, you know. They're so generous and welcoming. They we were just refreshed and encouraged in that church. And that's what John loved to hear about the churches where he had some responsibility as an elder. That's also why he was so distressed when Diotrephes shunned the traveling ministers. It was an embarrassment and a discouragement, not only to the traveling ministers, but to everyone who heard about it. Now, the best reason to support missionaries is because of our love for God and then our love for the lost. But it's also true that when we support missionaries, it encourages them, and word does spread around. Churches witness our love when we support gospel workers. But then... The other witness is God himself. Verse 6, if you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. In a manner worthy of God includes generosity. It, in, it includes encouragement. It includes being curious, 
and having interest in the ministry that people are involved in. It, it includes prayer. Sometimes it may include hands-on assistance if the, the ministry is local. So we do well when we support gospel workers. And I, I would love to one day hear God's commendation that your church did well in supporting gospel workers. And I know that you would love to hear that commendation as well. All right, because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles, there was no support taken from the unsaved. The support for gospel ministers is to come from within the church. Missionaries are never looking for monetary gain from those they minister to. The motive is love for God and love for the lost. And Paul even was a tent maker when he was ministering to the unsaved in Corinth. He took no pay from them. This is 1 Corinthians 9.18. What is my reward then? That when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. And the itinerant missionaries that John referred to here in 3 John traveled to various churches, but they also took the gospel to the unsaved, to the Gentiles. And when they did so, they asked nothing of the Gentiles. They took nothing from the Gentiles. They took no payment. It was the believers that were expected to provide the support. And when believers send missionaries to preach the gospel, we pay for that service. Now, when people are saved through the gospel message, then they begin to support the gospel ministers as they are able. The Philippian church, which Paul founded, then later supported him. Philippians 4, 15 and 16 he said, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid to me once and again for my necessities. And so as people are saved, then they begin to use their funds, understanding that everything they own is from the Lord, and they begin to support the ministry. But in the beginning stages, we anticipate those expenses fall on us. The mission support we provide is given because we do not expect the unsaved to pay for it. Now, there are also Christians that benefit from the ministry of the missionaries and gospel workers that we support. Uh, but when we provide support, we provide support that the message of Jesus Christ may advance. That's what John meant when he said that we ought to receive such workers in verse 8. We therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. Well, that what does it mean to receive? You know, in John's day, to receive, receive the itinerant workers meant to provide a place to stay and provisions for daily needs 
And there did have to be discernment on who was a faithful minister. Because that was the main point of Second John, was that there were false ministers, itinerant false missionaries who traveled around bringing a false gospel. And the Second John was dedicated to instructing his followers to refuse support to the false prophets who traveled around as though they were true ministers. So it takes, it takes discernment on uh, what ministry is, is worthy of support. But just because there were false teachers moving in and around the churches didn't excuse the church from supporting the true ministers, the faithful ministers, the faithful Ministers were lodged and they were fed and they were likely given financial support, maybe, maybe what we might call uh, a love offering. If we have someone that comes in and speaks um, in our church, especially if they're in a mission, uh, we would receive a love offering for them. Okay, but what, what does it mean today to receive gospel ministers or missionaries in 2024, there's, there's not many itinerant missionaries uh, anymore, like the circuit riders of the 17 and 1800s. But there are many options for us to support gospel ministries. We can only support some of them, but the ones that we do support, what does it mean to receive them? The ones that we do support. Well, it includes financial support. Uh, the missionaries and gospel ministries we support are not able to be self-supporting because their time is given to ministry. And because there are expenses involved in ministry, Peter Sample does not have time to support his family by working at an insurance agency. His time is occupied with ministry activities. Uh, the costs of running a pregnancy and parenting support center like Oasis of Hope, they're high. Uh, equipment's costly, ultrasound. Um, ultrasound equipment is very expensive, but what they've learned is that um, ultrasound is a very effective way to help a pregnant young lady consider birth over abortion. But they need financial support to operate. All right, some financial support, prayer support. This is one of the most encouraging aspects of support for our persons on the front lines to realize there are people back at Bethel Christian Church praying for them. It's a great comfort in, in their times of difficulty and discouraging times and times of hardship. To receive means hospitality as needed if ministers or missionaries are in the area, opening up the church on occasion maybe to give a missionary update. Uh, it may and should include contact with missionaries and gospel uh, services. It's helpful to have a designated person, a designated contact person for ministries to touch base with them, getting needed information, taking prayer requests, updating the church on issues that they're facing in their ministry. 
And John said, when we support our people that are in gospel ministry or their missionaries, we become fellow workers for the truth. Our assistance moves the truth of Jesus Christ on its onward march. Uh, the fellow workers share in the rewards of the ministry. Now, uh, I'd ask you to turn in your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. David laid down this principle that the support people share in the rewards. Not everybody can be a missionary, but we can all provide support through funds and prayer and hospitality and encouragement. Now, the context of uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30 is that David and his soldiers were uh, recapturing their families and goods that uh, raiding Amalekites had, had taken from uh, David and his people. But some of the soldiers were so exhausted that they, they couldn't go with David uh, to bring back the wives and children and bring back the goods which had been stolen in the raid. So David had them stay in the camp and guard the supplies. So I'm reading starting at verse 21 of 1 Samuel 30. Now David came to the 200 men who had been so weary that they could not follow David, whom they, had also, they also had made to stay at the brook Besor. And they, those 200 persons guarding the camp, went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near to the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless people of those who went with David answered and said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except for every man's wife and children, that they may lead them away and depart. But David said, My brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has pres preserved us and delivered into our hand the troop that came against us. For who will heed you in this matter? But as his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies. They shall share alike. So it was from that day forward, he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. Not all go, but all support. And all share in the reward. The principle is restated in the New Testament. For example, in Matthew 10, where Jesus talked about rewards in verse 40 of Matthew 10, Jesus said, He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. You don't have to be a prophet to receive a prophet's reward. You just have to receive the prophet. He who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. 
Those of us who are not called to go share equally in the reward. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. That is if we are faithful. Faithfulness is required. Verse 5, beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers. So this is the principle. Those who go and those who support our fellow workers in the gospel, each sharing in the reward for faithful service. That's the principle that John is getting at. He says, you are fellow workers. And that principle is backed up in Old Testament and in New Testament scriptures as well. All right. And we'll as we get into the, the business meeting, we'll, you'll see listed those ministries that we are currently uh, supporting. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, the way that we treat one another um, is a demonstration of how much we love you. We are told that the two great commandments are to love you, and to love one another. Help us to remember, Father, that uh, if, we, if we don't truly love one another and we are not following you, then our love for you also is very dim if your love doesn't come through us and express itself to uh, other believers. And we remember this morning those um, who have gone out and dedicated their lives to um, the gospel, taking the gospel ministry to um, those that need it, the gospel message of Jesus Christ, his love, his sacrificial death, that people may repent and turn in faith to Jesus Christ. Help us to be good supporters of these, of these persons. I ask that you would be with us the remainder of this morning as we worship. Uh, Father, I pray these things in Jesus' name.